This is an energy sport podcast. Insightful, in-depth and entertaining sports content from Napier to you. Hello and welcome back to another podcast from us here at Energy Sport. This is our preview podcast for the 2021-22 season in the Premier League, the biggest and most lucrative league in the world, although we'll still stand by the fact that the Scottish leagues are so much better. Uh, My name is Jack Donnelly and I'm delighted to be joined by two of the finest here at Energy Sport. Uh, First up, I don't think he's been as excited for a Premier League season started in a while, considering his team is actually doing some decent business in the transfer window. Struan Garvey, how are you doing, mate? I'm not bad at all. I'm excited, kind of, for the new Premier League season to be underway. Just kind of? Uh, just kind of, yeah, because I'm, I'm, I'm still not 100% sure. Given, given how bad we had last season for a Premier True, League, I'm, yeah. I'm a bit hesitant over this one, but obviously fans coming back will be massive, and the league looks exciting. That is, it, it does look quite exciting. There seem to be a lot of interesting teams, especially that a lot of people might take uh, interest in going into the new season. Uh, we're also joined by uh, Mr. Graham Sinclair. How are you doing today, Graham? I'm doing okay, Jack. Thanks for having me. I wasn't sure if uh, you were going to mention me or Struan first then until you said nice transfer window, and I said, like, oh, it's not me then. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's also what I was thinking. The, your, your club haven't been the most active in the transfer window yet. They've, I mean, Ibrahim Akinati is a, a good signing at the back, but uh, not really done much else anywhere else, have you? Our billionaire has no money, Jack. Well, well, the season that Liverpool won the league, I believe their transfer business was like Sepp van der Berg, so you never know. <laughs> you <laughs> never point. know. And having Van Dyke back is pretty much going to be like a new signing. Harvey Elliott, a new signing too, and Naby Keita, a new signing too, and Oxley <laughs> Chamberlain, a new signing too. Shimakas, is that how you pronounced it? Shimakas, new signing too. Robertson, when he comes back in like eight weeks, new signing. There you so go. Many new, sign the most players. Ben, ben Davis still hasn't <laughs> actually played a game yet, so. Exactly. New, new signings <laughs> across this season as well. <laughs> new signings across the board. Well, I mean, talking about signings, I mean, we might as well ask this question to begin with. What signing coming into this uh, new Premier League season is exciting you the most? And that can be across the board. That can be from your own team, your rivals team, whatever, whatever it will be. Who who's exciting you the most coming into this new season? Uh, who do we start with? Hmm. You, you start, Graham. You can start. There's a lot actually. It's not been the busiest summer, to be honest. I think the effects of COVID are still there, mm-hmm. and there are teams that are kind of not spending as much money and kind of trying to rest on the quality in their squad. But I think for me, the the start, the ones that stick out are the the combined business of Leicester City once again. But they've made three signings, I think, that are going to be very beneficial to them. Ryan Bertrand on loan from I don't know a free transfer from Southampton I think it's a solid move yep. he's only 32 years old but given the problems that Leicester have had with fullbacks and injuries Ricardo Pereira Timothy Castagna uh, James Justin they do need an extra person in them Bertrand they've got a almost international level fullback there is cover or something they can step into the starting lineup. More like, exciting, yeah. more excitingly though, they have signed a double. They signed uh, Bubakari Samari from Leo, a defensive midfielder who <laughs> feels lazy, but the the county comparisons are there. And then they've signed Patson Dacko from Red Bull Salzburg for twenty seven million, who is a highly rated striker, mm. and he is basically the person that took up the mantle when Ellen Haaland left Salzburg, and he banged in goals last season. He did, didn't he? Yeah, he was really good when Haaland left. Oh. Just that's so that's that's what I'd say. Just it's exciting news for a team that have continuously proven that the transfer window 
they are great at finding the right players for their squad and just for good bits of business. They absolutely are. I think Bubakari Samari might win as the the best name coming into the coming into this new season. What a, what a name that is! I always I always love seeing a name that rhymes or it ends on the similar syllable. So I'm I'm a big fan of his already before he's even kicked a ball. Uh, Padson Daki, you're absolutely right. He did fill those shoes that Erling Haaland left behind when he went to join uh, Dortmund. He really kicked on for Salzburg last season, and I feel like Struan, you were just saying before we started this podcast that this kind of seems to be the first summer that uh, Leicester haven't really lost any of their biggest players. I mean, they lost some club, some elder statesmen at the club, and of course members of that 2016 win, uh, title winning season, Christian Fuchs from West Morgan. Uh, Christian Fuchs headed over to Charlotte Independence in the second tier of American football, and West Morgan retired from the game altogether. So are you, are you as excited about Leicester's squad coming in and these signings that they've made as Graham is? Yeah, I think definitely. I think when you look back at the past couple of seasons in which Leicester finished fifth and a lot of people tipped them to make top four throughout the season, what's let them down has been the squad depth, in my opinion. I know a lot of people will have a go at Brendan Rodgers for quote-unquote bottling it and stuff like that and just saying it's, it's a problem with the squad. But as Graham mentioned, they've had so many injuries with fullbacks. And the problem I've seen with Leicester is they have 11 really good players but they don't have the depth to compete. You know, we saw when Ndidi went out in the 2019-20 season, it was it was absolutely massive yeah, for Leicester. They nearly was, fell yeah. apart. But what I like about this summer is they've not sold any of the big hitters. You know, we've seen in recent years Chilwell, Maguire, Mares demanding massive fees. And Leicester replaced them really well. Leicester are the best team in the Premier League, in my opinion, for replacing their talent. With even better talent, potentially. But they don't have the depth. You know, they lose someone and they replace him rather than getting a backup to that. But what they've done this summer is they've bought Pats and Daka and they've not sold Vardy or Ehi and Acho. They've got that quality up front. You know, they've brought in Ryan Bertrand, but they haven't needed. They haven't had to sell um, Justin or Castagna. And of course, Sumari, they've not needed to sell a midfielder. So I think it's a massive bonus. And I think this will be a really important season for Leicester because, as I mentioned, they have that depth now to compete. Because, I mean, 11 players don't win you, win you a title. You need 20, you need 18. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the good thing about just before we get into the next team, I guess the good thing about that is it seems that Leicester have planned for post Jimmy Vardy world. I mean, yeah, Vardy, it wasn't quite as good a season for Vardy, but we had the Inacho, the growth of the Inacho. He definitely improved last year, and hopefully he can sustain that form. And then obviously Pats and Daka. And I think a couple of years ago there was a bit of concern that if when Vardy goes, Leicester might die off, but they've done well to I think replace Vardy or at least get ready for his replacement. And I could see him not being the focal point for Leicester this season. Yeah, I have a feeling that you could definitely see Vardy maybe not phased out of the team, but maybe have just a bit less involvement just to give room they're to great, both. Abso- oh, absolutely. Yeah, those legs off the bench. We know how quick he is and how much of a potent weapon he can be with his speed. So, definite impact sub if uh, Rogers is looking to go down that route. But what about you, Jack? For me, oh, it's a. I can't say Marcus Bettinelli at Chelsea, can I? That's just, that's just <laughs> completely can't. out of the question. I will refuse. <laughs> He's not the best third-choice goalkeeper in the Premier League. Is that not what we're saying? You, you'd you argue someone else. You'd, you'd, you'd absolutely find a way to argue someone else. But... Oh, it's Tom Heaton, but that's a different <laughs> Let me check if we've seen a third-rate third uh, keeper. <laughs> we just need to go on oh. a tangent we're going to go down. Just <laughs> on the sense of it, like, Liverpool's new signings aren't new signings. Loris Carriot has back in Berlin. <laughs> so there we go. There you go. Aye, question, case closed. That's it, done. Uh, but I think for me specifically, in terms of one player that I definitely identify as really exciting going forward, uh, Michael Alise at uh, Crystal Palace coming in from mm-hmm. Reading. He was a really, really interesting player to watch in the Championship last season. Really talented, only 19 years of age. He'll be turning 20 just towards the end 
of this year. I feel like he kind of almost filled the shoes that Emirates Eze left uh, when he joined Palace last summer as that uh, mercurial talent in an attacking midfield sense in the division. And then he's had the exact same uh, path in going to uh, the London clubs. So I'm really excited to see how he'll line up in that Palace team. I know he'd probably be excited to be playing with someone like Eze, his talent, and Zaha is going to be absolutely grateful to have someone with his service once again. So I'm really excited to see how he kicks on uh, for Patrick Vieira's Eagles uh, going into this season. And he's one of a few talented signings in there, and I imagine we might talk about Palace a bit more in depth a yeah, little bit first, later. This is the first mention of Palace. First of probably first many. Of many. Yeah. Which annoys me. I'll say, I'll say it now because I've said it before. I said on an episode of uh, Energy Extra Time towards the end of last season that I would be worried if I were a Crystal Palace fan because I didn't see it as an attractive job opportunity for a manager. But Patrick Vieira's come in and made some really interesting signings and now I feel like I'm going to end up eating my words when I predicted them to go down at the end of this coming season. So... Hopeful. I'd, I'd like to see myself proven wrong, to be honest, because this is a team that uh, I could definitely see myself interested in with a couple of ex-Chelsea boys and Elise coming in, uh, Wacky Anderson, of course, coming back uh, to the Premier League after his loan at Fulham last season. But, uh, Graham, you, you've kind of spoken to me about uh, Elise in the past. What are your thoughts on him? You summed it up just just the way I would have done it, Jack. It was last year, Eddie was my boy that I... We did a four-part Premier League preview, mm. and Eze was on a bunch of bench, about every single podcast. And Elise is filling that role for me as the exciting young Championship player, nineteen years old, can play centrally or out wide. Get gutted, he's actually going to miss a first bit of the season. Him and Eze are both out, which I think I'm getting a bit worried for Palace still in that regard, yeah. and don't have their full squad. And that's probably why Elise wasn't the name I picked. But it's absolutely an exciting signing. And Struan, what about yourself? I mean, how? Would you would you kind of highlight any of the players we've mentioned, or have you got another name in mind as the player you're most looking forward to seeing as a new addition to this league? I was I was thinking it through, and obviously I, I do have persuasions to towards Man United players because I'm going to be watching them the most, and for that reason I, I thought about Varane. You know, he's one of the best centre halves in world football in recent years. To see him in the Premier League will be very interesting. Just to see how he copes. There's been uh, quite a few people online saying stuff like Ben White's a better signing and etc. etc. and claiming because Varane doesn't have the Premier League experience. So for that reason, I think it'll be interesting but one that I'm quite excited about is Leon Bailey going to Aston mm. Villa because Villa have done really good business this transfer window they started with Emi Buendia which is massive he was absolutely excellent for Norwich two years ago in the Prem I think he was the championship player of the year last season and I think in a way he'll fill the, the Jack Grealish boots really well potentially as the main creative outlet but I'm really interested by Leon Bailey because a couple of years ago, I believe he came from Genk in Belgium and moved to Leverkusen, and he was one of these talents in the Bundesliga, sort of at the time of Sancho coming through and others, um, like Nabry, that was just such a, such a talented winger, to be honest. He was so exciting. There were so many compilations that you saw on YouTube and Twitter and other social medias of just what he could do. And I think Villa have not really struggled to get goals recently. Obviously, Ollie Watkins has done really well in that aspect. Mm. But bringing in a winger like Leon Bailey, I think, will be really exciting because he's one of these players who, as I've said, We've seen compilations and stuff like that, but not many people would say they watch Leverkusen. I, I certainly don't. I've just heard a lot about him. And for that reason, I'm just really intrigued to see how he gets on in the Premier League, how he plays, what kind of player he is, because he, he seems like he's got all the talent in the world. 
Graham, you're a big uh, advocate for the Bundesliga over in Germany, and any time I've kind of seen Leon Bailey, I've always thought he's a really talented player, but he always kind of seemed to be playing second fiddle in that league of wingers compared to someone like Sancho or Asani or uh, Gnabry. So what, what are your thoughts on him coming over to England? Is that that's a good move for him? Even at times on his own team, uh, Diaby at Leverkusen, who's another young, young French player, he kind of overshadows Leon mm-hmm. Bailey. And the problem is, Leon Bailey has all the talent in the world. And he could be a great signing for Aston Villa. It just consistency has been the issue for him at Leverkusen. Right, okay. It just there are times when he looks unplayable. He's rapid. He's got a great set of tricks in him. He can even score a, a goal. He's had a great goal in Rangers a couple of years ago in Europa League. But there's consistency to the key for him. He doesn't yet have a consistent presence that he, he's going to produce. We can make it, and that's part and parcel of being a winger at some points. Yeah. But He's a little bit, even for Leon Bailey standards, it needs, it needs to improve. At Aston Villa is going to be the star signing that they hope he, that they're hoping for. No, I, I'm definitely seeing, uh, keen to see how he kicks on and kind of how Aston Villa set up going into this season because there's obviously a big departure that we've not mentioned at all in this podcast. We might uh, a little bit later down the line, but I feel like I might just chuck a couple of names out. Uh, yeah, Listen, I mean, we'll, I'm, we'll I'm excited to see uh, where where's he gone? Where's it? Uh, Goodness me, I've lost him. I've, I've, I've lost the boy I'm looking at. Uh, Enoch Mwepu, uh, yeah. again, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the same country as Dhaka, uh, countryman of Dhaka, of course, at Leicester. Same but team. Si- si- coming from the same team at Salzburg, uh, had that real contingent over in Austria. He's signed for Brighton. I'm interested to see how, kind of his play style in Graham Potter's team. Uh, kind of similar position, but maybe not the same kind of play style. Uh, uh, Albert Sambi Lokonga, or he he'll be known as Sambi. That's what he wants to be called. Coming in at Arsenal as a kind of deeper lying midfielder. Uh, anyone else fancy chucking a couple of names out there? I'm just scrolling down the list just now. Uh, I guess we're interested in Christopher Christopher Raya does it. Brentford. Yeah, uh-huh, of course. We are. And I think Frank Onyeka from Midland going to Brentford is also. Uh, you were big on that signing when it came through, weren't you? I think he's quite impressive midfielder, real mm. industrious, and Brighton in this team. Brighton signed a player that. From something that is going to be good. I'm thinking, why haven't other teams done this? Because mm. Brighton are usually very shrewd in the transfer market. Yeah, they tend to be. Uh, I'm excited to see Junior Firpo at uh, Leeds, to be honest. I think he, he could really blossom under uh, Marcelo Bielsa. I feel like you would say that about any player that joins Leeds, they'll kind of turn into a really good player under Bielsa. That's just kind of what he seems to seems to do. Struner, is there any obvious answers that we've missed at the moment? Uh, we, we kind of joked earlier on about how Liverpool haven't done the most transfer business, but I, I think Ibrahim Konate, it was done so early in the transfer window, I think he is a really good signing. You know, I think he's mm-hmm. only 21-22 this year, he looked really good in the Bundesliga. Of course, him and Upa Meccano were both Leipzig's main two, and quite a lot of people said that, although Upa Meccano got a lot of the headlines, Konate was the better of the two. So I think it'll be really interesting because, as well, Liverpool have got the best centre-back, left-back and right-back in the league, so if he can slot into that defence, it, it could be amazing for him. No, absolutely could be. I suppose talking about the way we're seeing these players work into teams, I'll ask, I'll ask the next question I've got. So, who, who are we seeing as this year's most exciting or intriguing team? You can kind of have it both ways, whether just an, a team that you're either excited to see or you're interested to see how their season plays out based on whatever external factors. Uh, Graham, I'll come to yourself for this one. Like, who, who are you most interested to see this season? Yeah, yeah title just to you as the hipster team. Yes, uh-huh, the hipster team, good shout. I feel like Leeds should be the obvious answer from for everybody because Leeds are the most exciting team in a bad Premier League season last year. Absolutely, but it's almost like just we know Leeds are going to be exciting. So what's the point in going for them? Let's try and go surprising. So I'm actually going to surprise. I'm actually going to go for uh, Bruno Lage's Wolves side this season. 
I think that, is, be, that is a surprise. I'll, I'll say that from the beginning. I think we were everyone was so down on Wills last season. They were so negative, as I said, they just couldn't score any goals. Obviously, they lost him and Eth, and that kind of killed their entire season. Yeah. With Bruno Lager coming in, it seems it's going to going to be accompanied by a, a change in tactics. It seems as on pre-season they've gone four for two at times. So Fabio Silva now Jimenez up top, mm-hmm. play more high press and high intensity game. Whereas with uh, you know they were they would sit back and work on the counter attack. So I'm excited to see that. Ad- additionally, they've made they've signed French, uh, Francisco Trincao from Barcelona, who's a right winger who has bags of potential. I'm excited yeah. to see him in this Wolves side. But just kind of, I think Wolves. Played a system that didn't really need to under Nuno. I thought they had more talent than that. And I'm excited to see them playing a more aggressive attacking style. With the caveat, it could be a couple of players, not really Bolly, Jalatino, who could struggle a bit more than that. Mm. But I think there's so much to be excited about for Winter Wolves. I think one of the most exciting things for me, especially for a Wolves fan, is the fact that you're going to have him and Eth back for the start of the season. Mm-hmm. He played in pre season, he got a couple of goals. He's wearing a, a, a Things have evolved from Petr Cech's day where it was a full scrum cap. He, all Jimenez has to wear now is a, is a big headband, which obviously suffered that uh, fractured skull against Arsenal last season that ruled him out for the rest of the year. But really, really good to be able to have uh, their talisman back. I'm kind of interested to see what the arrival of Trincao potentially could mean for someone like Adama Traore, whether he can kind of get his way back into that team because we know how dangerous Traore can be. But often at times last season is attacking uh, output was questioned, or whether he was just a leg man and just his, his pace was just being used as that, nothing more than just pace. There's so many options now for us. They've mm. got Traore as a as an option. A couple of seasons ago, it was Traore and him and the bus for rules, and it yeah. worked. But last season, when him and this goes down, Traore has a bad season. It didn't. Whereas now they have Trincao, they have Traore, they have Daniel Pedenza showed a bit of signs, and then Pedro Neto was world star last season. Yeah, I really liked so him that's, last season. That's four wingers. Along with your returning striker, it's just there's there's so much to like look forward to. Mm. I think you'd have to expect a bit more from Fabio Silva as well. I yeah. think a lot of people were disappointed the way he came in. I think season. obviously I think still it's a bit young, harsh for him. I think it was right enough forty yeah, million pound price tag. I think it was or mm-hmm. something similar. Yeah, I think he was their record transfer at the time. Obviously yeah. eighteen as well coming through. It's, and obviously when him and his they, they wouldn't have expected to fire him in as early as they did before that him and his injury. So I think he was almost straight to get a chance to adapt and stuff like that. So I think this would be a really important season for him. Not in the sense that it's it's make or break, but in the sense mm-hmm. it'll be a really good opportunity for him to, to not be rushed into it and have time to sort of find his feet in the league. Well, Strainer, you're the same kind of general opinion as Graham because I remember you were very heavily negative on wheels last season. You you hated any time you actually had to watch them on the telly. Yeah, this season will depend whether it was uh, Wolves if I hated or if it was Nuno, so Tottenham Fair, maybe, yeah. maybe the new Wolves. But uh, the, the team <laughs> I chose, I was, I was kind of debating between the two, two of the teams who have come up and I'm... It's Norwich and Brentford are two, not Watford. Yeah, uh-huh. And I think I'm going to go with Norwich because I'm just really intrigued to see how they get on. Two years ago when they came to the Premier League, they just played their own brand of football. You know, they didn't back down against any opposition. They were really, wa- I just described them as a really watchable team. Yeah. You know, they didn't have the, the stars that you'd associate in the Premier League, but they, they were able to, to beat any team that they came up against, to be honest. I mean, it didn't work out in the end. They got relegated. But last season in the Championship, they had another excellent season. Pookie was at his best. I mentioned previously, Buendia was good. Obviously, he's left them now. But they send Rashika, I believe that's how it's pronounced, from uh, Verde Bremen. Yep. So that's a really interesting signing to see how he gets on. They've also brought in Josh Sargent. Also a Verde Bremen, I believe, from the uh, the, won, yeah. uh-huh. the American striker. And obviously, all, all, all us Scots on the Billy Gilmore as well, joining from Chelsea. Oh, okay. Grant Hanley, 
had an excellent Euros for Scotland. Kenny McLean didn't make it to the Euros for Scotland, but he's going to be there. So I think I think Norwich are a team who I'm going to watch as often as I can, just because I feel once again they might not have the the ability to stay up just because of how much power there is in the Premier League. But I feel they're just going to give teams games. They're never just going to sit back and wait and try and catch teams on the counter attack. They're going to they're going to play every game as if it's the same opposition. At least they seem to really put like the effort Park. in. That, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. yeah, I mean last se- last season when they or the last time they came up, sorry. I don't even know if they made a signing. I can't. I genuinely can't remember them actually making any moves whatsoever in the transfer market. They were just happy to stick with what they had, and that was to the detriment of their season. They just couldn't handle what the Premier League had to throw at them. But they're signing players with uh, top-flight European experience in both the Premier League and abroad. Uh, I mean, they've brought in Angus Gunn from uh, Southampton, who is a fairly decent goalkeeper, could end up playing for Scotland if he wanted to. Uh, they've got, uh, obviously, Gilmer coming in, and he'll be able to kind of settle in nicely with the kind of added bonus of being able to have uh, Hanley and McLean there. And then I'm really excited to see how Rashika and Sargent get on, because I think Sargent, was it him that last season that scored a four-goal haul? He got a four-goal haul in one yeah. game, I think, for Bremen. I cannot remember. I think uh, it was something like that. My reading in George Sargent is he's not a very good goal scorer, but he had a good day. Yeah, if, if you get him on his day, he can't he can be effective. And then Rashika, I've always kind of he always kind of seemed to be Bremen's best player, even when they were having an awful season. So, so I'd see how that goes. But uh, I don't know. I, I was in the same mind as you, Stuart. I was I was gonna say Norwich, like for mine, but I'll I'll go differently to what you did. Uh, I'll 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 chuck the shout in for Brentford. I think Brentford were. The, the people's choice for the team that they wanted to see come up, obviously, last uh, last season they almost did made it to the playoff finals at Wembley and then lost in injury time to Scott Parker's Fulham, who have now kind of swapped places with them uh, in the championships. So I'm, I'm really interested to see how Ayer gets on down in England. I mean, this was a move that was kind of quoted for a while. A lot of people were expecting to see Ayer go down to England at some point in his career. Some quoting him for a fee a lot higher than uh, than what he ended up going for in the end. I'm not going to name any names. I'm sure Graham would be happy to. But uh, I agree with him. I think uh, Frank Onyeka uh, is going to be an interesting signing again. And I just like Thomas Frank as a man. He just seems a good good uh, personality, someone that's going to... Kind of bring almost a breath of fresh air to the Premier League in this team. They've got some really talented players. I'm really interested to see how uh, Ivan Tony gets on. I was very much of the opinion that if Brentford didn't come up this season, I thought Tony would. I thought he would end up signing for a Premier League side. And he's been hitting some lofty ambitions. I think someone asked him uh, what his goal target is for this season, and all he said was the word crazy. So he's he's just aiming for the highest of heights and said, what what's the aim for the season and he said go as high as possible win the league if we can, so the question of uh, uh, ambitious or delusional was thrown about a bit but uh, good to see a player that's just coming up from the uh, second tier aiming as high as possible but uh, Graham I'd, ima- I'd imagine you're the same as me you're really looking forward to seeing how Brentford get on this season. It's just always exciting when a team that's never been in the Premier League before comes up it's just something completely new something completely fresh mm. and then the added bonus it's Brentford a team that have a really interesting style with a money ball system where they really really focus on analytics yeah they have always been shooting the transfer market and now they have Premier League money so it's even like it's ramped up to the degree that they're going to sign how good will they be and I think there's a lot of hopes that they can stay up which sometimes for promoted teams is what kills your enthusiasm Brentford are going to come up. I can imagine they're going to try and play decent football. They have enough internationals in that squad, and they have Danish boys and others. But it's super exciting. 
And they kick off the season as well, so you get to see them very quickly. They do. You see them the, the first game of the season, Arsenal uh, on Friday night, 8 o'clock, and I'm really excited to see how they get on uh, against another London side and Arsenal. Uh, I suppose we can kind of move on to the next question in that uh, Brentford are always kind of going to be in that conversation of, well, they won't they stay up. So I'm going to ask you both, who isn't going to be able to survive the drop this season? Which three teams are you expecting to head down into the Championship for the 2022-23 season? Uh, Strain, I'll come to you first. Who are you expecting to get relegated at the end of this season? I've I've got written down Watford, Norwich and Brentford, the three who have come up. Oh, really? And my thinking behind it is I just feel... I'd, I've mentioned We mentioned Norwich and Brentford there. They play really good football. I think a lot of people would want them. I'd much rather watch them than Burnley every week, if I'm, if I'm being perfectly mm. honest. And, and Newcastle at times, teams who go for it. But I just feel that the, the Premier League, the gap is growing between the Championship and the Premier League to this point where it's so difficult for promoted teams to do well. You know, you look at Leeds last season, they have a manager like Marcelo Bielsa who's absolutely fantastic. He can get so much out of average players really and, and Leeds are a really good side but you look at the other two who came up in Fulham and West Brom they, they were basically guaranteed relegation straight away the season prior to that Sheffield United were the only team who stayed up and the next season they were right down at the bottom you know other than Wolves and uh, Leeds who I previously mentioned Wolves of course have a lot of money and can spend it's just you just don't really see these championship teams taken to the league just in the past two or three seasons I mean taken to the league so easily and I just feel they're just not going to be good enough. I, I, I do think Burnley will be in the conversation. I feel they've kind of ridden mm. their luck recently. Last season they were right down there, but again, they were nine points clear of the relegation zone. I don't think they've actually made a signing yet, or I've perhaps missed they've it. They've made one. Uh, signing by for Stoke. Yeah, it's, uh, Stoke, Collins, or Stoke. Uh, Stoke City centre-back. It's a, it's a young Irish Oh, the young Irish one. Yeah. yeah, actually, he's pretty exciting. Darren Fletcher really likes him. That's all I know about him. But um, <laughs> random, I know. But yeah, it's it's possible. And I think Chris Wood might not even be ready for the start of the season as well. He was at the Olympics with New Zealand, so perhaps that's gonna give them a slow start. But I, I'm gonna stick with the three teams who have come up. I just I just think they'll go straight back down. Unfortunately, Graham, how about yourself? Yeah, I've, tried, I've not really made a prediction so much as I'm just trying to understand who's gonna get relegated to them and who's relegation contenders. I think that's more interesting. Mm. And to be honest, what Stuart said about the promoted sides and the gaps probably true. So I think relegation contenders, I don't know if you want to agree. So I've got the three promoted clubs and I've got Burnley Lake Strong said. I also think there's a chance that Brighton could go down, although mm. I wouldn't I'm not gonna back that. Newcastle can always stagnate and you know, everyone that fancies Newcastle, they start the season terribly and then kinda of sneak their way out. Yeah. But I mentioned Palace, we're excited about Palace, but they do have a lot of injuries to start the season and mm-hmm. a new system and the last time they didn't have Roy Hodgson it did not go well under Frank the Bear. I guess the <laughs> that team famous four games. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the team that I would probably tip I'm a bit I'm really concerned about that I'm not going to say they're going to go down but I would be worried about is uh, Southampton yeah and they yeah. have what we mentioned they've lost Danny Ings they've lost Ryan Bertrand and they've replaced them with decent players but they were a side that were in free fall in the second half of last season they did yeah, not absolutely they were they, they were going to lose Vestigard as well ah they could be losing Vestigard to 15 yeah, million they did, not have, good, they did not have a good season last season like in the second half and if because they still survived comfortably, there's a worry that they might have rested on the laurels and just kind of think, oh, we'll be fine, we're so that, and we're good enough. The second half of the season, they were relegation-level football, and if that continues, then they're going to be in big trouble. Mm. Oh, Will they get beaten oh, 9-0 oh, again, though, this season? That's the question. <laughs> they're going to get beaten 9-0 three times this season. It's just going to get one one more every season until they eventually go down. I'm going to go... I'll make a prediction. I'm going to go okay. for Watford, who I think we're at. 
or kind of doomed. I, th- uh, I think a lot of people would just agree Watford in that. Yeah. Sort of three. I'm going to go for Burnley. That's more than hope than right. anything. I'm going to go for <laughs> Touchwood. <laughs> Not Christmas. I'm going, to, I'm going to go for Norwich. I'm going to go for Norwich. I'm going to go for Brentford to stay up. I'm kind of. I like it. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm bullish on Brentford's chances. So that, uh, that would be the three I'm going to go for, but it's, there's a lot of can- candidates, I think. My kind of candidates are absolutely are basically the exact same as yours, mate. I think it's going to be that set of teams that are going to be right down there. I do agree. Uh, I could definitely see Watford just going straight back down. I'm going to be. I don't really know too much about this Watford side. If I'm being completely honest, do you know the manager's name? No, I don't. But Watford <laughs> changed manager like they change clothes. Honestly, yeah, there's no point in learning his name before he's Their goalkeeper has a YouTube channel. It is. Um, Z, it's Zisco. It's Zisco. Cool I'd, name I'd, at least he, he wins on name points. Yeah. I had to go out at the start to find out. I don't really they, uh, they've signed Bergkamp's son. Interestingly, oh, actually, yeah, he's an, and Pochettino's son. The two sons are in the academy coming through. Oh, yeah, uh, maybe one for a few years then. <laughs> Properly playing career mode, just getting they've resigned. Signed, um, in, aren't they? I, I don't know if you guys remember the club brew striker who did the who Dennis. Ronaldo celebration. Dennis, yeah, he, yeah, he I'm seeing that. There. He's only twenty three. Like that. Yeah, that's sort of the only one I can think of off the top of my head that looks. Danny Rose as well going in free off Spurs. And, uh, Josh, and Josh, oh, yeah. Josh King from Everton, of course, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know. It's just, I'm, I'm not really too big on Watford. I'm probably, they're probably going to be my least watched team this season, if I can help it. Mm-hmm. I do agree that Burnley are going to be down there. I think that this is the argument that you have. I think if you give Sean Dyche money, like if, you give him like, like if you're able to give him money, I think he builds a team that can stay up quite comfortably. But I think that position's almost been consolidated for too long on the budget that he's been granted. And I feel like he is just going to kind of drop more steadily and steadily down the table unless he gets the support that he absolutely needs. Because I, I really rate Dykes as a manager. I think he's great, but he's kind of overperforming with what this Burnley squad can do. So I think I need to see more from them if I'm expecting them to stay up. Uh, Newcastle getting Willock back is massive. That's not been announced yet, but it is understood that the Arsenal midfielder is joining... Uh, rejoining uh, Newcastle on a permanent basis in excess for a fee in excess of twenty million pounds, they really really looked good when Willock uh, came into that side. I think he scored in every game he played for Newcastle towards the back end of the season, so he's got a massive massive impact. So that, that, uh, can I made them less negative as Newcastle? Mm-hmm. Who everyone hated watching, they became more exciting. They did, but I think that might be the only move that they've. Kind of done. It is. It is. Yeah, it's literally. Callum Wilson's now the number nine, and Jolinton is the number seven. That's movement, technically. That's <laughs> disgusting that Jolinton's number seven. That's <laughs> a, that is a wrong number for a beefy striker. Absolutely. The, Steve Bruce was playing about in the wing more recently. That's he's he's turned into a winger. It's disgraceful. But I think I've, Newcastle's I've, scraped by again. Like they'll stay up by this kind of teeth probably. I've just noticed that Andy Carroll must have left Newcastle because he was number seven. He did, yeah. He he's uh, currently a free, oh. free agent. I will. I can't imagine him uh, getting back in the Premier League at any point soon. But I'll, I'll I'll say Watford. I will say Burnley, and then it's a toss up for me out of Norwich or Brentford. I think it's one one will stay, one will go. It's it's really interta- interchangeable oh, for me. We're mugs putting Burnley in the bottom three, Jack. They are the Hamilton of the Premier League. Oh, they are, aren't they? Sean Dyche is the longest ever manager in the Premier League. I don't really want anyone else to go down other than them. Like, it's a quite an exciting league. Yeah, I'd uh, much rather watch Norwich or Brentford than Burnley. No offense to Burnley, yeah, but no. this, in terms of the style of play as a neutral, you'd much rather watch yeah. what Fark and Frank can put on. Fark and Frank, that I, I like that. It sounds like a comedy double act, doesn't it? Fark and Frank. Fark and Frank. 
Uh, from one end of the table to the other, simple question, who's winning the league this season and why? God, this is where it gets boring. There's <laughs> 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 really two answers. <laughs> I'll, I'll go with the darker blue. Why are you going for the darker blue? I've, I've gone for Chelsea as my Premier League okay. champions. Why is that? Why is that, Strid? So, basically, I just don't want it to be Man City again because it's boring. <laughs> um, I think Chelsea are a very good team under Thomas Tuchel. Obviously, they won the Champions League. I think they only needed a striker. That was the last piece of the puzzle. Lukaku has been one of the best strikers in Europe. In, um, in Inter Milan, he's coming in for around 97 million or whatever that is. I think that'll be absolutely huge. The front option Chelsea have got are excellent. The midfield's excellent. Jorginho's coming off the back of winning the Euros. The defence is good. Uh, goalkeeper is pretty good as well. I just feel this could be the season for Chelsea to win the league. I think the team is, is there. I think they've sort of been building towards this since well, since Conte left, to be honest. This team's kind of been underway. A few managers have been at the helm, but it seems like Tuchel is is the one to, to take Chelsea to the title. And I just feel City will be more... I think their, their gaze will be fixed on the Champions League more this season. And also just the fact that I'm really not sure their £100 million signing is necessarily going to take the team to the next level in the same way that I think Lukaku will take mm. Chelsea up a level. Graham, how about yourself? Who, who are you backing to lift once, that trophy? Once again, like, once, once again, Man City and Chelsea title race is, is so boring that I don't know. Yeah, no, really it is. No, I, so I I'm really, really when I look at like, like the champions, I'm saying, can more than just those two contend? And really, is it can Liverpool and Man United? Ten ten for the league. I think it's quite a clear top four. Yeah, I, I would say season. so. Yeah, uh, and it's just cat Liverpool. for example, they have Van Dijk back. They have a just a lot of injuries back because the Robertson's already went down. And it's can they get back to the level they were at two years ago? Whereas Man U, they've signed Sancho and they were second last year. So you would have expect that put those two together and they can improve. I think they can. But I'm not sure mm. in the end it'll actually happen. I think they can stay there for a little bit, but ultimately the strength and depth of Chelsea and City is going to be too much. Yes. <laughs> you don't want to say it, do you? You don't want to nail down one. So I think Stu made some good points, actually. And know De Bruyne and Foden are going to miss the start, at least, at least yeah. the start of the season. And I think that could be quite big. If Chelsea can get out to elite... I didn't know City have mentioned mentioned the Champions League and City have just won the league so sometimes the mentality is not there to just go over and over again mm-hmm. I know what I'm going to join Struan Chelsea I got it Chelsea won the league City will finish first Liverpool will finish third Man will finish fourth I think just just quickly on Man United there just from a United point of view I, I don't expect United to compete for the title this season I think the signings that they've made are excellent but I still feel that they need a holding midfielder to to right. compete okay. for that, and as as Graham said, I think the depth that City and Chelsea have is just too good for a for a league anyway, not a cup competition. One thing I will say, I'm just looking just now. If Chelsea get off to a good start, then I think it's going to be they could end up building quite an unassailable lead because they face Arsenal, Liverpool, Tottenham, and City in their opening six games in the league, and uh, I, I, I chucked Arsenal in there. Because, uh, you would argue that Arsenal aren't as big a challenge as they used to be back in the day, but Chelsea don't. We don't really have the best record against Arsenal. I think I can remember kind of one good result against them in the last kind of couple of seasons. That was a two-one win on Boxing Day in 2019. So uh, they kind of seem to have had Chelsea's number recently. But I, I am going to back Chelsea to uh, to uh, win win the title this season. Perhaps slightly. 
naively or overconfidently, but I think Lukaku is just exactly what Chelsea were missing last season. I mean, to put it in perspective, Chelsea's top goal scorer in the Premier League last season was Jorginho, and with seven goals that were all penalties, which is absolutely mm-hmm. disgusting, uh, considering the output that the kind of XG that Timo Werner was hitting, especially. But I feel I feel like his play, his play is going to be adapted. I feel like he is going to be seen as more of a wingman, a more uh, creative player rather than an out-and-out goal scorer, especially with Lukaku coming in. I feel like Kai Havertz is really going to kind of carry on from his impressive uh, end-of-season form in Euros. I thought he was a fairly, a fairly standout player in a meek German side. Uh, obviously, he scored the goal that won Chelsea the Champions League. And I think I'm probably expecting a couple of more signings because I think there was a from the from the Tuchel press conference ahead of the tonight's Super Cup on the day of recording at Chelsea play Villarreal in Northern Ireland. Um, Chelsea had 42 players in for first team training uh, the other day, so I'm expecting a lot of outgoings and maybe one or two incomings. The most notable of which uh, Jules Koundé of Sevilla and Aurelien Chouameni at uh, Monaco. The uh, midfielder has been quoted to be uh, joining up with Thomas Tuchel's Blues and I think those two signs would really really kind of solidify my belief that Chelsea could go on to win the title this season I do agree it's not exactly entertaining in any way shape or form I mean the team might play entertaining football but it's Chelsea and City at the end of the day and they are the kind of two money teams in the league and you, you would want someone potentially a bit more exciting to win but if the team plays good football, then they deserve winners. So, yeah, I'll st- I'll stick with Chelsea and uh, make it the hat trick from our predictions. Uh, feel free to get in touch. Let us know who you think is going to win the league. Why we are completely wrong to look at Chelsea as winners, and why we're completely overlooking the fact that Jack Grealish has just signed for Man City for a hundred million. <laughs> uh, I touch on him because I want to ask the question of the most interesting storyline that we are seeing in the league this season. Graham, this is a question that you suggested to me last night when we were putting these together. So I'm interested to hear your thoughts. So where, where are you seeing the kind of most interesting, the most captivating story coming from in the league this season? It's a tough one, actually. Lots of a lot of interesting stories. I wouldn't say there's kind of one overarching story that's got me excited in particular. Hmm. Where would I go with this one? <laughs> I think it's probably... I, I, I'm a little bit lead to this one actually. I think okay. can Le- I can see Leeds breaking it and, and possibly get the European spot. As I, like I mentioned it. earlier in the podcast, I think Leeds were the most exciting team in the league last year and the league season in the Premier League that I did not enjoy. I gave, I dipped out towards the end of the season. Mm-hmm. I think we all did games. a little bit to be honest. Like, but Leeds United is sad. Yeah. But Leeds United but the, the spark that I can that and that they were like the one that kept me coming back as a neutral. And I think there's no reason to suggest that they will do, do any different. Mm. And then they have the added bonuses, and this, this is probably the first time we mentioned this in the podcast, which is good for us. We've got fans back, full crowds. And it's been a while since Leeds have been in the Premier League with crowds. Ellen Road's one of the most intimidating grounds to play in. Yeah. Those Leeds fans are mental. They will create an incredible atmosphere. I think that added bonus, oh, with the addition of Junior Furpo, a an extra season in the Premier League to improve a young squad, I think there's a chance that Leeds United will push for European spots and they'll do it playing typical Bielsa ball, which is the most exciting in the league. No, it absolutely is. I mean, I, I absolutely love watching Leeds. I mean, you think back to the opening day last season, that 4-3 kick 
chaos that unfolded at Anfield on the opening day. Just everyone's thinking, how is this? Like, this, this is absolutely unbelievable. Unfortunately, the rest of the season did not pan out that way, and it was a fairly uh, shoddy showing from the major- from the league in terms of entertainment value towards the second half. But Leeds were that kind of bright spark that ignited a lot of interest or renewed it at least. So I do, I do, I do kind of resonate with that a lot, Graham. I feel like. Leeds could really push on. They've had that year's experience now, and a lot of these players perhaps overperformed. I mean, I, I, I still think it's an absolutely silly decision that Patrick Bamford was left out of the uh, England Euro squad, considering he was a highest scoring Englishman in the top division behind Harry Kane last season. I mean, and he probably could have scored a lot more. There were a lot of chances that he wasted, and they had some really talented. But I think Rafinha is set to have a massive season. I'm really looking forward to seeing how he plays. And Firpo, I've said, I'm excited about coming in at left back. So. A lot, a lot, a lot to be excited for uh, as a Leeds fan coming into the new season. Uh, Struan, how about yourself? What, what's the one story you're looking forward to kind of seeing progress in, throughout the season? Uh, I just want to say I love that Leeds uh, shout. I've got, I've got them in eighth in my Premier League table prediction because I think they can do really well. Um, I was thinking about talking about Crystal Palace, but I feel we've we've discussed them quite a lot earlier on. So I'm I'm gonna go for a player story that I'm really interested, in, and it's and it's Virgil Van Dijk because okay. he's, he's the best centre back in the Premier okay. League, hands down. <laughs> Whenever people talk about who the best centre back in the Premier League, it's whoever comes after Van Dijk. You know, yeah. arguably best in the world. I think only Ramos is in the same bracket for being that elite level. But obviously, last season he was injured, and that was the that was the end of Liverpool's season. Almost, I, I think a lot of people wrote the title off at that point, and almost top four before a really good comeback towards the end of the season. And an ACL injury, it's a really difficult one. You know, we've seen them in the past how they can affect players, you know, does it, does, do they lose a bit of speed from it, do they, know, do they not go into tackles in the same way, obviously being a defender, Van Dijk's known for his speed in his tackling, so I'm just really intrigued to see how he gets on, because if he comes back to his best, I, I genuinely think Liverpool can be back up there for the title, providing they don't have many injuries, because Liverpool's, Liverpool's team is possibly the best 11 in the Premier League, but the depth is just not the level of City and Chelsea, as we previously mentioned, so... Yeah. I'm just really intrigued to see how Van Dyke gets on. You know, I mentioned Ibrahim Konate. He looks like an exciting uh, signing as well. If he can stay fit and Van Dyke can stay fit, obviously Matip and Gomez as well have had injury issues. <laughs> Four times on run. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fabinho will be back in the defence before we know it. Ben Davis um, might get a game. <laughs> don't, you never don't, know. Don't laugh. Don't be my back. But what, what I did think as well last season was how... I'm kind of more talking about Liverpool than Van Dijk here, actually, but how when Fabinho moved back into midfield when Liverpool actually had centre-backs last season, Thiago looked really good because a lot of people were criticising the way he started. But when he was playing alongside Fabinho in that midfield, he looked really talented. Obviously, Wijnaldum's gone, but at the same time, Henderson can potentially come back. He was injured towards the end. But if, if Van Dijk does return to his best, I don't think he'll be as good straight away as he has been. I think he'll maybe take a few games, a few months possibly, well, probably, to, to get up to the speed of things. But I think it'll just be really interesting to see how he gets on because, as I said, if he if he's back to his best and that entire team, is it's a different story for Liverpool. Oh, I completely agree. I mean, you, always, you, always, you, never, you never like to see a player striking down with a, with a bad injury, but Liverpool were a lot more susceptible when Van Dijk was injured for the majority of last season. A lot of teams uh, were able to identify that and punish Liverpool uh, as a result, so I think having him back is just going to be a massive, massive boost, and that's why I wouldn't be surprised to see them up challenging again this season. Uh, for me, the story for me, it's it might be a bit of a cliche one and kind of an obvious one, but it is surrounding Jack Grealish at the moment. 
of course, the Aston Villa, the former Aston Villa captain, he'd been there all his days, uh, just signed from Manchester City for a £100 million uh, price tag. Just a cool £100 million, uh, making him the most expensive British transfer of all time and the most expensive transfer to the Premier League of all time. Uh, I just don't necessarily know if he's going to hit the same heights this season, which might be a bold claim from the get-go, but the way I see Jack Grealish, he loved playing hero ball at Aston Villa. He was club captain, he was a Brummy boy, every single one of the fans was right behind him. Uh, he could really do no wrong, even when he was throwing himself about the turf and his diving antics, there, there was no... No, no complaints from the home support at Villa Park, but uh, I feel like he did that because he was the undeniable star of that team. He really kind of went and put on a clinic, and whenever he was out, uh, the team suffered as they kind of looked to him for guidance, looked to him for his leadership. It's not going to be the same at City, in my eyes. I think there are more talented players in that squad. I mean, Kevin De Bruyne is the obvious answer, but I feel like Raheem Sterling's in that conversation. You'd have Ilkay uh, Gundogan as well as an attacking threat, uh, as we saw a lot of last season. So... I feel like even even with England, I mean, it kind of was that the fans the fans' favourite. He was the constant uh, question: Why isn't Grealish starting? That was the question that got asked of Gareth Southgate an awful lot. But uh, I just don't know if it's going to be the same connection, the same responsibility he'll have, and whether he'll kind of play the same way as he did at uh, at Villa as he will at City. So I'm just interested to see how he deals with the move in terms of his play because obviously he's an excellent excellent player. So he very well could go on and kick on and be the player of the season, but we just don't know that yet. And I'm not necessarily sure that he will be. I think he could be. He could end up outperformed by a number of his teammates. I, I don't know if anyone else wanted to weigh in on that. Yeah, I did intrigue to me, and that's, I think that's a good point. But I think intrigue for me is that Pep Guardiola's got such a rigid system, so you do this for me, whereas Grealish just like, I'm going to take the ball and just do what I want. Yeah. So how does that, how does that work together tactically? I'm excited to see how that will come together I think maybe there's a possibility that Pep's looking more for a bit of spontaneity from a player and that's why he's saying Gielers. but it's Pep sometimes he might just stick to what he knows best and force Gielers into a role that isn't comfortable for him but it's, it's great it's exciting yeah. I think for me, I just I just don't know, as, as Graham said, the rigid system I don't know where he's going to play You know, at Aston Villa, he sort of played as a number 10 in the championship and then when they moved, made the move into the Premier League, they sort of played with a, a one-holding midfielder and McGinn and Douglas Louise, etc. And Jack Grealish sort of occupied the left wing and he, and he stayed there and he was he was so effective at just taking on a full-back. And he, he could occupy two players at once because he was that dangerous. I mean, I think the two the two seasons previously in the Premier League is the most fouled player. Some people would say he's a, a bit of a diver and he goes down easily, but at the end of the day, he's the most fouled. He wins free kicks. I just don't know if he's going to playing that sort of false nine role. I, I mm. mentioned that he played as number 10 in the championship. I don't know if he's going to play in the left wing because I, th- I thought Foden was really good off there. Of course, yeah. We saw Raheem Sterling. People would have said he was the player of the Euros. He had an abs... He must be... His confidence must be very high at the moment, Raheem Sterling mm-hmm. from Man City. I, I almost feel Grealish might become sort of an eight in that midfield, the same way David Silva sort of transformed from being a winger to that central midfield position under Guardiola alongside De Bruyne. And I, I can't see him playing off the right wing. I, I don't think he's ever really done that. So I'm just... I'm just really intrigued because a hundred million pounds is the record transfer in the Premier League. You wouldn't expect it to be Jack Grealish, no offense, but hmm. I I just don't know where he's he's going to play for City. And, and in my opinion, if I if just in the top of my head right now, I think of Man City's best eleven. He's he's not in it. Yeah, no, it is, it is interesting just see what he's going to fit in. Uh, uh, I I I would I think he's going to be fine. I think City have such a massive kind of 
although they'll be playing so many games that Greer's will fit in. Might, might take him a while to get an established starting spot, but he'll play. He'll play enough in this mm-hmm. team. I guess for, for me, I would flip it. Something that makes it such an interesting storyline to me, Jack, what you said is you can flip it and you can do the Aston Villa side of it as well. It's how does Aston Villa cope without Jack Grealish. I think that's also very interesting and probably probably does make it the most interesting story now I think yeah. about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. There is no team other than maybe Crystal Palace as I had that relied on one player more than Aston Villa last yeah. season. I mean, he was their main creative outlet. He did, he did pretty much did everything for them and when he just got injured in the second half of the season, Villa, they weren't terrible. They, they didn't like completely fall off the face of the earth. The way no, they still have good players, did. of course they did. But, but it wasn't the same. No. And they've replaced where well, they have they've made three great signings in Bundia, Ings, and Bailey at the top. Yeah. Hopefully, make that loss of Grealish not as impactful. But it's a huge player to lose. It is your captain. It is your local hero. It is your best player. That can be tough to replace. And how they start could dictate how well the season goes. No, absolutely, completely agree with you, mate. Uh, talking about players that might go on and outperform Jack Grealish if you're expecting Grealish to hit big numbers the players that are going to be doing better than him are definitely going to be in that player of the season uh, conversation so have, have we got early picks for this year's player of the season? Uh, mine, mine's kind of along the lines of I said earlier on I think Chelsea is the player to take Lukaku uh, sorry Lukaku is the player to take Chelsea <laughs> to the next level not vice versa so I, I've, I've said he's going to be my player of the okay. season Um yeah, I, I just think it's it's plain and simple. I think players like Salah will have another excellent season. De Bruyne will have another excellent season. Bruno Fernandes should probably have a good season as well. But for me, I th- quite often the player of the season is the team who win the league. And I've gone along the lines of those that logic with Lukaku being the difference. But in the same way that Van Dijk came in and made the difference to Liverpool and he was named yeah. player of the season. Mm-hmm. No, it's a fair, it's a fair shout. Uh, Graham, who are you going to say for this? Well, shouldn't right, it's a narrative award. So Lukaku coming in and being the difference for Chelsea winning the league makes a lot of sense. Same with Diaz and, last season. I meant to say as well. Sorry, Diaz yeah, of course, yeah. And obviously, I think the point about the league kind of stomachs my pick because I, I don't want to go for the usual suspects. I want to do something creative, uh, and so I'm trying to go for a narrative, and I'm going to go out there. I think there's a chance that Arsenal could be much better this season. I think they surprised Ooh, people. They were okay. they had a they had a good second half of the season. Ah, they did. Uh-huh. Oh, they, they, they didn't. They didn't really like look good. But their actual stats, like I think they were the third best team in the league. They don't have. Ah, Europe they got season, it done. So yeah. uh-huh. They don't have any European trip this season, so the, the squad should be well rested. And you want to talk about narrative? How about Arsenal's best player, who's come off missing the penalty that lost England the Euros, starting for an Arsenal side oh. that can make it towards a push towards top four? So, it's a, it's a long shot pick, but let's try to make it interesting. I think Bakayo Saka could be the Premier League player of the season. Wow, I love that shout. That is, I love the narrative. I love the the narrative behind it more than the shout itself. Like, I I don't. I, I, Saka's an excellent I, player. Let, let, I guess like, I don't think it's going to be Bakayo Saka. <laughs> but it's, it's, I need to I need to find something. You need to find something interesting. I can I can say Kane or De Bruyne, but what's, you can. What's the, uh-huh. what's the point in that? Let's, yeah, I, I think there's a path that Bakayo Saka could take to be the player mm-hmm. of the season. A 10 out of 10 season, like it was. A 10 out of 10 season, an actual <laughs> one. A 20 out of 10 season. Let, let, me, let me ask you, just like a, a quick question, just even like a yes or no answer. Do you both think Arsenal can get Europe again this season? Yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. I as, have Arsenal as one of my answers Arsenal. for a future question. <laughs> oh, okay, ah, yes, uh-huh, we are going to get on that question. I think Arsenal and Leicester, for me, battle for fifth. Cool, yeah, okay, yeah, I can see Stop that. Stop stealing yeah. my shouts. <laughs> <laughs> 
Lovely. Uh, I'm uh, player of the season for me now. I do agree. I was going to go along more along the lines of oh, the ten attempts to go to the uh, player in the team that wins a league, but I'm not necessarily sure that it is going to strictly go to an attacking player, and that's because Chelsea's best player isn't an attacking player. He plays in the middle of the park, and that's why I'm backing my boy, but one of my favourite men on the planet, uh, in Golo Kante to get uh, the player of the season. Well, to be fair, I might give it to him if he goes for Kunde and we get and we win the league off the back of it. So, uh, no, I, I I absolutely love N'Golo Kante, and it seemed the more Chelsea kind of tended to get towards that Champions League final, everyone else was falling back in love with N'Golo Kante. I feel he had a rocky couple of seasons, or not rocky for N'Golo Kante, but it wasn't at the same level of performance that he was in his two title-winning seasons. I mean. That second year under Conte and then under Sarri and Lampard, he was just a bit out of sorts. I think the, the switching system uh, when Sarri came in really kind of rocked him in terms of what his responsibilities were and he looked absolutely done in by the end of it because I think he'd taken an extra running and things like that, which for a man with eight lungs, it didn't seem like it was going to be too much of an ask, but uh, it, it did kind of take a toll and Lampard again was just struggling to fit all his weapons in the same system, especially when the likes of Havertz came in to disrupt that midfield but he's been at his best under Thomas Tuchel he was absolutely outstanding in every one of the Champions League knockout games that he played especially kind of across the legs against both Madrid sides and then in the final he was absolutely unplayable once again so I could definitely see him carrying that form into the new season I know he necessarily didn't have the best of Euros with France but then again France weren't at their best this Euros so I, th- I think if you're taking away international form I think Kante was I mean, he was receiving shouts to win the Ballon d'Or come the end of the year. So, I mean, if he can carry that form in, then I think Chelsea are only going to go up uh, from their fourth place finish last season. And I mean, I'm really excited to see him back in a Chelsea shirt again, playing at his best. Hopefully, that's what I've got my fingers crossed for. Yeah, let's stop you two. Stop pushing you two pussyfooting around and picking big old like kind of obvious <laughs> ones. Boring ones, I know. Give me a bo- an outside shout. All right. Well, I mean, right. if if you're if you're going for an Arsenal player, you're thinking Arsenal getting put. I'll chuck Tierney in. You think that's bold? I like that. I I could, I could see Tierney being class this season if if he stays fully fit because he was I would say he's Arsenal's best player last season alongside Saka because Aubameyang was off it completely. I'll I'll go for Trent Alexander Arnold. Oh, one young player of the year. A lot of people criticising last season, but he had a very good season. Didn't manage to make the Euros through an injury. Possibly could have made the difference in the end. Narrative, narrative, narrative. Key. Yeah, yeah. He's and with Robertson out potentially, a lot of the onus will be on him to be the main creative outlet for Liverpool. And obviously, I think he's loved by most of the country, which I think will help that as well. This is where this is where it just we're completely blindsided and Costa Simakis actually wins Player of the Season because he that just would be, <laughs> that would be bold. <laughs> he keeps handing Robertson in that team. Tell you what, Kevin Minamino is looking great in pre-season. <laughs> <laughs> Boys, I, I've already mentioned him once. It's going to be Marcus Bettinelli. Like this, this <laughs> I think I think there are some other like interesting shirts depending on how teams improve. I mean, what what about uh, okay? We'll say it's outside top outside the top seven play this season because it won't include Leicester or Arsenal, Tottenham, or the other four. Uh, maybe a Neto if he kind of carries on the way he was playing towards the end of last season. If Raul's back and he's got the extra opportunity for service, he's could could end up kind of improving on that. I'd love to say someone like Ivan Tony if he does have Ooh, a great season a in the league. But I, I'm thinking along the lines of West Ham, and obviously I, I really want to have said Lingard if he was in the same form, because I think 
last season there were chips for him to be player of the season for West Ham even though he only joined in January but Mikel Antonio is possibly another one if he has another good season as the as the main man up top like it yeah there we go a few, a few, a few bolder shouts there for you so some outside picks for player of the season shouts in the end uh, a couple more questions we can kind of go for to wrap things up Struan alluded to one that I'm going to ask uh, I've kind of put it down as improved slash regressed, so I'm looking for two answers for this. But the team that you think is going to have the biggest improvement this season, and the team that think you're, the team sorry you think is going to fall away the most compared to their finished in their performance last season. Struan, I'll I'll give you the the green light to go for this one first, seeing as you hinted at it to begin with. Um, I'm going to say most improved Arsenal. You know, back-to-back eighth-place finishes. I think Arsenal have sort of been written off by quite a lot of people now as even a top-four contender. But as Graham said, no European football at all. I think they've had a good transfer window. I know Ben White is going to be laughed at, in a sense, for costing £50 million. Obviously, it's a massive fee for a centre-back. But I think he's good. He's Premier League proven. He's young. He's talented. He he comes in and he instantly improves that defence. And I think that's the main thing for Arsenal. Other players, you know, last season, Aubameyang wasn't at his best. And I think a lot of people would describe that more as being a blip rather than a general decline as such. If he can come back, his goals are, are vital for Arsenal. He's, he's a proven golden boot winner in the past. Saka and Smith-Rowe, two really young, talented players. Both of them now have had um, have had a change of shirt number. They're now 7 and 10. So, you know, that's the first team players, really, by that logic. And they're on new contracts. Tierney's also signed on to a new contract. The defence, I think the defence is one of the most exciting up-and-coming defences in the league. You know, we talk about Gabriel, Ben White, Tierney. Probably need to sort out the right-back. Might be Callum Chambers initially. But, yeah, I think Arsenal can really can really do things. And I think their form since January was one of the best in the Premier League. It, uh, they, they made a, a rocky start to the season, of course. But quite a lot of Arsenal's issues were individual errors at the back. I mean, call back to Granit Xhaka kicking the ball off uh, Chris Wood in the game against <laughs> Burnley. The the errors that David Luiz has made, he won't be in the team anymore. And I feel course, if they yeah. can cut out the defensive errors, they play really nice football, they can take teams apart. We've seen that. And I think Arsenal are definitely going to be back at the top. And as I said, the last season, one of the biggest factors, if anything, was squad depth. Arsenal don't have any other football to worry about in the Premier League. And they've they've got a good squad. That's a good point. What about, what about the team that you think is going to fall away the most? That's I, I I great. I was struggling to say this because, as I said, I feel the gap in the Premier League is growing a lot, and the rich clubs are just getting further and further away. And uh, you know, you talk about the top six; it's almost extending now further to a top four away from Tottenham and Arsenal potentially falling away from that. But I've I've gone for West Ham. I think last season they did fantastically, but I just don't think they can do the same. I think Leicester. I've just mentioned Arsenal, Tottenham are another interesting team. Who knows what Everton will do under Rafa Benitez? Mm. I've said Leeds as well. They'll be they'll be up there so I think West Ham are possibly the team to fall away and again I feel Lingard is a big loss even though he only came in halfway through he was one of the catalysts that had West Ham up where they were I don't think that, I can't think of any other signings other than they don't, Alphonse they don't Areola they've not made a single sign, sign for if they've got Craig Dawson who they signed on loan last season they got him on a permanent Areola's loan and that's it yeah. See, yeah. see for me that they're regressing if mm-hmm. they don't replace Lingard given I think he had nine goals towards the end of the season and a few assists as well he was he was vital up yeah, front for them huge. so I, I just see them fall away and again nobody expected them to be there last season under David Moyes nobody had them to be that far up the table and for me I just don't think they'll be able to repeat it two seasons in a row No to be fair I agree I think they were going to be my shout for the team that would probably fall away most I think just the loss of Lingard and having to balance that uh, European football and they don't really have that same strength and depth it's not the, the deepest squad in terms of uh, players you actually might see Armstrong Oakleflex play in Europe which is 
terrifying of a prospect. So I, th- I think I'd probably agree with you there. Uh, I'll give my shout for a for a team that I'm probably going to back to improve the most. I'm just looking at the table from uh, last season. And I think I would have to give it to Palace, to be honest. I mean, they were sat 14th. I could see them potentially pushing up towards kind of more mid-table, maybe 11th, maybe 10th, or either them or Wolves. I could with all those new attacking additions, and I'll be interested to see just how they set set up because they were that turgid uh, team that everyone kind of came up against. You knew you were going to be in for a bit of a kind of start and stop battle against Wolves. who were going to break you down as much as possible. So I could, I could see them potentially going away from that I think losing Rui uh, Patricio is massive to be honest I, I think even I don't know anything about Jose Sa to be honest uh, but I, I would I would probably back Patricio over him just based on that I, I, know, <laughs> I know I know the kind of player uh, that uh, Patricio is they're both Portuguese and uh, Rui Patricio so Jose Sa so that, yeah. so. that, that's like, I, I basically at least to suggest that he's probably a better goalkeeper but I don't know. I could I could see Wills potentially breaking in that top ten, maybe at the expense of. I don't I don't see Everton being great this season. To be honest, uh, Everton getting brought up in one of my future questions. One of your future questions. Uh, uh-huh. uh, right. Well, we'll come to you next thing, Graham. So I'll I'll say that uh, West Ham will fall away, and then Palace and Wills will kind of push themselves back up the table a bit more. Yeah. So the the, the goal for me is just trying, like you have said. I agree with that, uh, both your picks actually. But I, I want to go different. I don't want to to the same team so I'm going to go for Project Potter at Brighton to be the biggest improvement this season oh improvement they, oh. yeah they finished 16th they made they haven't really changed they haven't really lost anything they kept on to Pesuma which is massive and they signed we mentioned in, Be- in Wepu it's in Wepu I, I, I forgot his name it's in Wepu isn't it <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah in Wepu and they've got a young Ajax goalkeeper but mostly He's, to- he's taller than Matt Macy, by the way. <laughs> but mostly, I mean, what? they've lost. Ben, I, mean, I guess, I guess, I guess they've lost Ben White. But I don't ever feel like Ben White was a was a Brighton player. Strangely enough, it was almost like he was a loan player and they managed to make a fifty-two million profit. And I don't think they'll be on the transfer market, Brighton. And I'm saying all this, but really the reason I think they will improve is that the underlying stats last season showed that Brighton were fifth or sixth in XG. Yeah, they were. Mm-hmm. They underperformed that massively. And I know their strikers aren't the best finishers, but even for having bad finishers, they still want, like they still should improve on that this year. Additionally, in the bottom 12 teams, they were by far the best defence. I know they've lost Ben White, but I think the system that Graham Potter's put in place is that somebody like Joe Veltman can step in and they won't, that loss won't be as huge. Tarek Lamptey kind of... He started the season on fire, kind of... Plateau, didn't he? He's brought in a rough time of injuries, I think, as well. He's coming back, so I'm excited to see that. But really, most importantly, it's just it's that the underlying stats for Brighton were good last year. Mm-hmm. And... If it can just improve on that a little bit, it should improve on the table a lot. See, I do agree with that, but it's just for me, I'm just not seeing it at the moment because they've not signed a striker. That that's if if they sign a, a really if they sign a potent goal scorer, then I think they'll rock it back up the table. But for at the moment, I just don't see it happening. But I I I, I, I do I do agree with what you're saying though. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the opposite side, I'm I'm gonna say, I'll mention Southampton again. I think mm-hmm. they did finish fifteenth last year, but I think they could be really fighting in a relegation battle. I don't think they've had a good summer at all. Adam Armstrong's a solid signing, but he's not Danny Ings. And Danny Ings was crucial to them last season. I think it could be a tough time for Southampton for reasons I mentioned earlier on. So I suppose we can go to the 
uh, next question, which, Graeme, you kind of alluded to it by the fact that you were going to mention Everton here, uh, potentially. So the next question is the, hard, the hardest manager's job in the league. So the manager that's going to have the biggest uphill battle in this season. And uh, the fact that you mentioned Everton, Graeme, I've got a feeling you might go Rafa Benitez for this question. That, I'm giving that one to Struan. Okay, that's fine. I, really, I think Struan wants to say Rafa Benitez. So I'm going to go for Nuno Espirito Santos at mm. Tottenham Hotspur. Nuno was, was he even in the top 10 choices for smart manager? I'm not sure he was. Uh, I think he, he went through just about everyone in the country and then started messaging, like, I got a message off uh, <laughs> of him just to, just to see, and I said, no, nah, I'm busy, so... He is joining a team where the clear best player doesn't want to play for the club, really. And it's pretending, it's pretending that he's not angry that he's there, almost. But mm. he is a Harry Kane. Uh, he plays pretty much plays the exact same system as Jose Mourinho, which is a system that Spurs fans pretty much across the board rejected last season. That even when they won, they were not happy with it. It's this negative counter-attacking style. They did a couple of good signings. I think Christian uh, Romero from Atalanta is a solid centre-back a position they need because they're ageing there. And Brian Gill, as a youngster, is, is also exciting. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a tough job ahead for Nuno. I mean, Spurs have been... Spurs have pushed above their weight so much under Pochettino. They did, yeah. And, that, and then they kind of came back to reality with Jose. But I think the expectation is that they should be ahead of Arsenal. And I'm not sure they're as good as Arsenal, to be honest with you. I'm not sure they're as good as Leicester. I think, really, Spurs are going to be finding it hard to get in that Europa Conference League spot again. It's just... It's pretty much a thankless task, you know, Scott. Mm. No, I, I do agree with that a lot. I think there's just not really much positivity coming out of Spurs. I mean, I know, kind of looking at things, Hyungman Son's kind of seemed to be hitting form again in pre-season, which is always encouraging for Spurs fans to see, but it's whether they can carry that into the opening game, which is a, a way to Man City, which is it's not going to be easy in the slightest for them. Nope. But uh, I don't know. I'm, ju- I'm just not high on Spurs whatsoever coming into this season, so I can definitely see why you're saying that uh, Nuno's going to have an absolute battle on his hands uh, in North London. Struan, how about yourself? Do you, do you want to give us your thoughts on Rafa Benitez then? Well, I think the Everton job... <laughs> 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 I think the... Uh, my mic's always muted as well. That's, that's very good timing. Um, I think the Everton job is, is tough. I feel Everton fans have had a really tough summer because Carlo Ancelotti, what a pull that was for the club one of the best managers of the last 20 years three Champions League trophies he's won the league in all five of the major leagues he's, he's absolutely fantastic and it seemed as if they were building something under Ancelotti even if the league positions didn't suggest that and then Real Madrid came knocking and Ancelotti was linked with them and gone within two or three days upon Zidane leaving and there was a few names floating around for the Everton job Nuno was one of the ones who was heavily linked when he left Wolves at the end of last season mm-hmm. and in the end it was Rafa Benitez so to begin with, you've already got the job of replacing Ancelotti. Everton are a tricky situation because, in my opinion, their squad is good, but similarly to Leicester, they've only got about 13, 14 good players, and then the rest of the team just isn't up to standard. You know, you look at Pickford, he's a different player when he plays for England. It's quite ridiculous how much better he is for England than he is at club level. Mm. But Rafa Benitez is a Liverpool legend. He won the Champions League with Liverpool. So you've already coming into this job at Everton with so much work to do. You know, you talk about Richarlison, Dominic Calvert-Lewin being the two men up front. Both of them are wanted away by a whole plethora of clubs. And, you know, other players such as um, James Rodriguez, it seems he doesn't want to be there anymore under Ancelotti. So that's massive to begin with. 
but your fan base, a large portion of them, hate you because you've managed Liverpool in the past. Mm. And obviously he can win them over, there's, there's no doubt he can win them over, but he's coming into a job that's already difficult on paper, add to the fact that you've previously been the Liverpool manager and have had success. I think he's made some comments about Everton as well in the past when he was at Liverpool, as you would do. So he's got all that to deal with, plus the teams in front of him look good. Arsenal look better, as we said. Tottenham, it's hard to predict. Leicester are a good team. Leeds are going to be good. Aston Villa have improved their team, even though they've lost Jack Grealish. West Ham are going to be around there. 10th place looks the best Everton can get, Mm. which is not an upgrade at all. And we saw Rafa Benitez, he did well in Newcastle recently, but for me, he's, he's just got such a tough job because Everton want to be back up the top four. That's what it looked like Ancelotti was going to get them pushing for Europe. But all of a sudden, it just looks like they've taken three or four steps forward and then immediately they've taken 10 steps back this yeah. summer I, I think they've brought in Asmir Begovic I don't understand that signing necessarily they've already, I think they already had Rob Olsen they've brought in Damari Gray for 1.5 million that's probably the most exciting but which again which says a lot the fact that yeah, that's the most exciting that doesn't really excite me at all and then the other one was Andros Townsend on a free who couldn't get a game for Palace last season Andros Townsend's and only 30 that's that's crazy, I thought it was like 33 or something. Yeah, I thought he was older than that, oh, fair enough. But going from Ancelotti, signing James Rodriguez, Dominic Calvert-Lewin as the player of the month at the start of last season, to the situation well. Everton are in now, it's just night it's and really. day. I think, yeah. I think Benitez has such a tough job on his hands, I really do, and I, I don't know what to predict from Everton, because I almost feel 10th place is the best that they can get. Yeah. And, just, and, and Graham, obviously, he's, he managed Liverpool in the past, you've seen him, what, what do you make of the appointment? I think that's one spot on with and just add on to the fact that bad football, he doesn't play good football after Benitez, which when the last time Everton had a manager, it was like that was Big Sam and they hated him. Mm-hmm. They were 10th last year, so they weren't actually very good last year. They, they regressed mightily last year. Everton fans seem to think that they should be finishing higher than that, but they're not going to do that under Benitez. I thought quite a few of their players performed above expectations to begin this season. I'm not sure Calvert-Lewin is as good as he was last season. I'm, I'm I'm not entirely convinced. You mentioned Hammond Rodriguez, I think that was a great point, and Rodriguez, he just seems out of it, and he got figured out very quickly after a light in the start of the season. And then you mentioned the bad vibes, and you mentioned the fans not liking Benitez, but you've also got the Kelfie Sivers and stuff, which has to have an effect. I'm not trying to make light of the situation, because it's not nice at all. But that's not good vibes around the club that what's happened with Sigurdsson and that could be a cloud over them it's just entering this season with Everton is just a lot of worry about what's going to go on no you're absolutely right now the thing is for me, for me I would absolutely agree it was between both of these uh, for this season Like, I feel like it's uh, really them against it <laughs> them against it uh, Benitez and Nuno but playing devil's advocate I'll chuck another couple of names in that could uh, be under a bit of difficulty uh, I feel like just based on the expectation on their shoulders, I feel like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer could have a fairly tough season if he doesn't deliver mm-hmm. on a trophy. And I feel like Thomas Tuchel could uh, be a bit under pressure if he doesn't manage to deliver a Premier League title or at least another trophy or two because that just is the expectation at Chelsea, isn't it? Like If you, you win the Champions League, you need to build on it. You can't just rest on your laurels. And I feel like mate, a, a, a signing like Lukaku is definitely the step in the right direction, but feel like it'll be interesting to see kind of how it how the season starts and how the opinion of him by not only the fans but the board is going to be in strewn you'll know yourself the kind of pressure that Solskjaer kind of seems to end up putting himself under a lot throughout the season just a couple of bad results here and there and it can kind of go to pot for 
the Manchester United manager. So I think it could be a case if Solskjaer doesn't win a trophy this season, especially after Sancho and Varane coming in, there could be serious, serious questions asked. But I don't know. I, I would definitely agree with uh, both Nuno and Benitez as the managers with the hardest jobs ahead of them this season. But I feel like you could definitely look at those other two as just... I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate and offering another couple of names forward at the end of the day. But uh, I think we've got one question before before we wrap up here uh, on this preview podcast. And it's just a bit of a light-hearted one. Just, it's, it's going to be the closest thing to a normal Premier League season we've seen in two seasons at this point. So what is the most... The, the little extra that comes with a Premier League season that you're most looking forward to? This is for fans. Fan. Yeah. Fan well, no, I was just going to say fans are not able to boo when the VAR decisions pass the three-minute yes. mark to make a really yes. simple decision, yes. and the referee and the players can now hear it. Because for me, last season, obviously, the, we talked about last season in the Premier League was pretty boring. One of the reasons it was boring was the ridiculous VAR decisions, how long they took to be decided. It just it just took the sting out of games. It really did. But if you've got a full stadium there, they're not going to have the time. You know, they're going to be booed. They're going to. I don't. I don't encourage booing. But at the same time, I hate waiting two or three minutes just for an offside that you think is offside anyway to be called offside in the first place. So um, I'm looking forward to having fans back to voice their opinion because I much prefer hearing like the match going fans chants rather than the social media football Twitter accounts. Mm, no, I completely agree, mate. That's, that's a good shout. I like that. Uh, Graham, how about yourself? Well, I've got a few. Okay, we've got, we've got oh, a few. please, take your time. Just go for it. Well, let's start with... Let's start with the fans parts. You can't just say fan, you've got to. I'm excited the fans are back because it means a return to Premier League football where we have like four or five games kick off at three o'clock on a Saturday. I, I, I love that. Like I know people liked it in the game was on TV. Although I think I liked it initially before they realised quality wasn't all out there. Yeah. I love Saturday for like having like a full calendar of games on a Saturday at three o'clock that aren't on TV and you have to like tune in and see what hap- what's happening and on like the sport the score shows and mm-hmm. tune in for the highlights later on and yeah. like finding it like those I love that part of football. I missed that so much. And I'm so, it was in Scotland last year still so we had a bit of it. But in England it's gonna be it's gonna be great to have that back in English football. I'm excited for See if Watford can beat their record of how many managers they go through. <laughs> what, what is it? Seven. I think they had four in like the four last in one season. Seat. I think it was. Four yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's a lot of fun. Uh, you mentioned VAR. Obviously, VARs. I thought the VAR and referee was very, very good in the Euros. I'm excited to see how that yeah. translates over to the Premier League. I know they've changed the offside stuff, so that it's not they've not been measured with a millimeter line. It's going to be centimeters. So I'm hopeful that there will be less of the absolutely crap offside decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's probably about it. I think. I think that's most of it. Just kind of. I mean, most. It's so boring. I'm excited to have atmosphere again because I think the Premier League really really suffered from it yeah no it really did it was just kind of empty shell of what it once was with yeah. fans in the grounds but mine, mine's just a lot more mine's not as serious as yours to be honest I think mine, mine goes along more along the lines of uh, the uh, the Watford show I'm just excited to see the absolute enigma that is uh, Mike Dean back in front of a full crowd again <laughs> and just see how a full crowd reacts to everything that Mike did, Dean did, does did you see the championship referee in Fulham Middlesbrough last week who Pointed at the ball as like, like pointed at the ball as if it was like yes we're back, <laughs> but he didn't do it in a joking way. He was like deadly serious. No, there was another yeah. not a boy that blew a kiss at the ball. <laughs> I was blew a kiss. Sorry, sorry, blew a kiss. Sorry, <laughs> and it was deadly. It wasn't like a joke. It was deadly serious. Like, I'm so happy the ball's back. 
I can just imagine Mike Dean just burning a hole in the football with his just his massive eyes just as he goes to pick it up and just with a stupid smile on his face I, I love him I think I think he's a brilliant character I can't, I can't wait to see him just a full crowd of like say it's Old Trafford 80,000 fans reacting to Mike Dean like I, I just love that like I, I love him I, I think he's great and say for potential North London meltdowns because they are my favourite meltdowns I think oh they're the potential best for bo- I think there's potential for both teams to have meltdowns Yes, no, there's more Spurs than Arsenal this season, I would say, because I think mm. Arsenal are just in a state of constant meltdown at the moment. But yeah, no, Premier League. Well, I'm actually kind of looking forward to the Premier League. Yeah. Now. I'm kind of mm-hmm. geared up after speaking to you boys for the last there's hour a lot or so to be excited about. Yeah, I would definitely agree. And we hope that you are just as excited for the return of the Premier League as the three of us are. We hope you enjoy the first weekend back. That obviously starts on Friday. Brentford Arsenal, eight pm on Sky Sports. I don't know why I'm advertising it as if we've been paid. We've absolutely not been. But, uh, yeah, so that, that'll kind of wrap us up uh, for this uh, Energy Sport podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Make sure to subscribe to the Energy Sport podcast feed wherever you get yours. Follow us over on the socials at ENRG Sport on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Uh, thank you very much to Struan Garvey and Graeme Sinclair for joining me this afternoon. It's been a pleasure speaking to you two as always. Uh, my name is Jack Donnelly. This has been another Energy Sport podcast. Thanks for listening and we'll see you soon. <laughs>